welcome back to the Locks on Diamondbacks podcast. You're part of the Locks on Podcast Network. Your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, which is look up locked on Dimebacks in both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. Now, for today's show, we're discussing the D backs pitching from the 2021 season what went wrong what was actually a positive for this d-backs pitching staff we're going to first talk about the starting pitching the first segment talk about the relief pitching in the second segment then we're going to wrap up the pod with the championship series predictions from ben caspic of lockdown giants i either want him to look really smart or really bad that's why we did the prediction so late for ben caspic because i want him to look either smart or dumb we'll see how the predictions play out so we got a whole bunch i want to talk to you about on today's pod but first remember Thank you for making Locked On Dimebacks your first listen every day. This podcast is not possible without you. So thank you for listening, subscribing, and reviewing. I love doing this podcast, and it's not possible without you. So thank you. But now, let's jump into the podcast. You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Miller Thomas of Locked On Dimebacks still here. And let's talk about the Dimebacks starting pitching in 2021 because it was a roller coaster, no doubt. Some days they were good, some days they were bad. Most days they were bad. This Diamondbacks pitching was maybe the most frustrating part of this team more than the lineup, more than any position player you can point to. I think the pitching was the most frustrating because there would be moments, there would be stretches where this Diamondbacks, not overall staff, but certain pitchers looked really good. There were stretches where Bumgarner was dominant, Merrill Kelly was dominant. Gallon would have a few starts sprinkled in here and there. We even had a couple good starts from Luke Weaver. Taylor Widener started the year pretty good as well. Overall, pretty weird season for the D-backs from a pitching perspective when you look at their starters. So many of their guys dealt with injuries, but overall... This team did not finish the season strong. The pitching was not good for most of the season, for pretty much the entire season. Though there were stretchers where certain pitchers looked good, as a collective group, this D-backs pitching staff was not good. They had the fewest amount of wins contributed by a starter in the National League with 110 losses. No staff got their team more losses than the Diamondbacks pitching rotation in the National League. As a group, the Dimebacks rotation had a 5.2 ERA. Just think about that. 5.2. On average, they were giving up five runs a game, of course. Terrible, terrible, terrible by the Dimebacks pitching, but it wasn't all their fault. This D-backs pitching was rattled and battled and injured and hurt for almost the entire season. You can look up and down this pitching rotation and players will hurt. Bumgarner and Kelly were the only two starters to make at least 25 starts for the D-backs, and neither of them even cracked 30, which is kind of like the baseline. If you are pretty much healthy for the whole season as a starter, you're probably making 30 starts for your team, but Merrill Kelly 
was at 27, Bumgarner 26, Gallon 23, and then no one else even cracked 20. Widener had 13, Luke Weaver had 13 as well. Even Caleb Smith had 13, but it didn't matter who started. Matt Peacock, Riley Smith, uh, even a Humberto Castellanos. Like, all those guys were bad, pretty much. The only guy who had a good ERA as a starting pitcher was the man who threw a no-hitter for the AZD backs in Tyler Gilbert, which makes sense because he only started six games, and when one of those starts is a complete game no-hitter, uh, it's going to lower your ERA a lot. Tyler Gilbert had a 3-1-5 ERA, and even in the starts where he didn't throw a no-hitter, he still was solid. I don't think he gave up more than three or four earned runs in any start. Maybe one, I'll have to go back and look at the numbers, but you guys can do that for me because he was really good even in his non- no hitter starts but the rest of the rotation was just not consistent enough and when you're not healthy it's hard to be consistent luke weaver was on the injured list it felt like for four months zach allen spent a couple of times he, he made a couple of trips to the injured list bum garner was there merrill kelly missed like a month of the season with covid like the D-backs were battered. Taylor Widener started the season on fire, and then he got hurt. He missed the time. So there was just no one that was really a healthy body from this D-back staff. Even uh, even the Tyler Gilbert couldn't finish the year. So I wasn't really happy with any of the starters. And we looked at the rookie pitchers. They were terrible for the D-backs as a starter. Corbin Martin could never get it done as a starter this season. Uh, he didn't even pitch. He, he didn't even start that many games, Corbin Martin. He only started three games, about a 10-69 ERA. Just to let you know how bad Corbin Martin was. So injuries was a big reason as to why this pitching rotation could not live up to any expectation level we might have had for them entering the season. Another bad stat for this D-backs rotation, quality starts. This D-backs team... This rotation did not have a lot of quality starts. Now, what is a quality start, you're asking? It's when your starting pitcher goes at least six innings and gives up three earned runs or fewer. Well, you know how many times a D-back starting pitcher did that? A quarter of the time. Literally 25% of the time a D-back starting pitcher win at least six innings or three earned runs or fewer. Second worst in the National League. And it wasn't like the D-backs team helped them out when they did have a quality start because there was not a lot of run support for this starting rotation. The D-backs averaged 3.7 runs when their pitcher was in the game for fourth worst in the National League. And that's a pretty funny number when you juxtapose it with this stat. Diamondbacks had the fourth most losses saved in the National League with 26. So what does that mean? When the pitcher left the game and they were in line to take the loss, the D-backs had the fourth most comebacks actually to take that loss away from their starting pitcher in the National League. So when the starting pitcher was in the mound, the D-backs was barely scoring any runs, fourth worst in the National League. And as soon as they get out the game, the D-backs are starting to pour the runs on. So even though the starting rotation get, couldn't get a lot of quality starts for the team, it wasn't like the team was even helping them out. So we need a little bit more give and take, a little bit more yin-yang, scratch my back, I scratch yours. It's supposed to be simpatico, and the starting rotation and the lineup was never on the same page. But, but if I had to give the lineup uh, a break, the D-backs rotation, we know it didn't give a lot of quality starts. It's hard to do that when you can't get out the first inning. The D-backs worst inning by ERA was the first inning this year, a 6-3-9 ERA. So a lot of these times, the D-back starting pitcher struggled mightily in the first inning, and that's a big reason why they didn't have these quality starts because they got shelled so early in the game. They either gave up a lot of runs early or they pitched so much in the first inning that 
they weren't even able to make it through six innings to get that quality start. So overall, the starting pitching for the D-backs, it was hurt. Not a lot of quality starts. Not a lot of run support, but the, the rotation didn't exactly come out the gates firing most days either. So you could put some blame on both sides, but this rotation was not good enough in 2021. But it did give me some optimism for 2022 because... Gallon, I'm throwing out this season. I think he'll be fine next year. Bumgarner showed me some flashes that after the month of April, he actually can be a solid pitcher. Merrill Kelly, like a 9-10 start stretch where he looked really good as well. And I like Taylor Widener this year, maybe a Tyler Gilbert as well. So there's actually some bodies in this rotation that I like right now. I'm not saying this D-backs rotation is going to be top five in baseball, but can this rotation be good enough to lead this team to a wild card spot next year it's gonna be iffy but i do think the rotation has enough talent in 2022 to potentially get this team to a wild card spot now we'll talk about how bad the relief in the bullpen has been for the d-backs in 2021 but this episode is brought to you by rock auto with the ever increasing number of makes and models it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts your car will need winder often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry save time and money when using rock auto why well, choose to spend 30 percent 50 percent even 100 percent more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find a solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. Let's get back into the podcast. But first, thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. This podcast is not possible without you. We are free and available on all platforms. So please continue streaming the Locked On Dimebacks podcast because I very much like my job. But enough compliments to you. Let's get back into the pod. Let's discuss the D-backs bullpen in 2021 because just like the starting rotation, the bullpen was just as bad for the D-backs. The starting rotation had a 5.2 ERA as a group. Well, the bullpen, five flat. Like, they were both terrible. It didn't matter. It wasn't like the D-backs were a team when the starter finally got out the game. Hey, at least we got three, four, five, six guys we can go to in the bullpen to string it together. Take a guy out in the fifth inning and just let the bullpen go to work to win the game. No, that didn't happen for the D-backs. The D-backs had the second most losses in relief in the National League. So, the starters contributed the most losses to the team while the relief contributed the second most losses to the team in the National League. So it didn't matter which position group you turned to. They were both stabbing you in the back, stabbing you in the chest, stabbing you all over you and killing this D-backs team. And we'll talk about the position players in the lineup either on tomorrow's pod or the day after. But either way, this bullpen, this rotation, this pitching staff was not good enough. And it all starts first when we look at this bullpen with the closing this D-backs team could not close to save their life. Now, they had the fewest save opportunities with only 50 in the National League. They had the fewest saves as well with only 22. That's because they had the fewest opportunities. But 
They also had the worst save percentage. So even when they were given the opportunity to save the game, the D-backs were completely terrible at it. The D-backs, it was like the closer, whoever was, whoever was closing that day for the D-backs. It's like they knew this team really wanted the number one pick and they pitched like it. They were like, here, here, Mike Yastrzemski, hit this grand slam off me. Here, Cody Bellinger, hit this walk-off home run off me. It didn't matter who was the closer for the D-backs because they were terrible. The D-backs were only able to save 44% of their games in the National League. The worst in the National League. If you can't even save half the games, no wonder you're there. You're picking second. And they shouldn't even be picking second because they had their own dumb walk-off to end the season. Don't even get me started on that rant. So D-backs, if you're going to be given an opportunity to save the game, save the damn game because the D-backs weren't able to do that in 2021. And if you're coming in to save the game, that means you have an opportunity to give your team a win. And the D-backs repeatedly shot themselves in the foot and were the reason themselves why they lost so many games. So we're going to move on to the next stat because I'm heated after that one. And this is a positive stat for the bullpen. The closing was terrible. But outside the closing, the D-backs team was the bullpen not too bad at stopping the bleeding. When the relief entered the game with runners on the bases already inherited runners the d-backs actually let those inherited runners score the second fewest amount of times in terms of percentage in the national league only 32 percent of time did it did an inherited runner score off their relief pitchers so the bullpen was actually good at stopping the bleeding which is what you want your bullpen to do when there's two men on with two outs you want your bullpen to come in and shut that down and the D-backs bullpen was actually not too bad at that. The D-backs bullpen was actually not too bad in high leverage moments, despite them being very poor in closing. Their high leverage moments overall wasn't too bad. There just wasn't a ton of high leverage moments for this D-backs team because of how bad they were in 2021. And they never gave their relief a chance to win games. And when they did, it was terrible. But either way, this D-backs bullpen was actually not too bad at stopping the bleeding. And whenever they enter the game, they were most likely pitching from behind as well. Relief pitchers for the D-backs entered the game with the lead the fewest amount of times in the National League, while they enter the game behind the third most times in the National League. So this bullpen was never given an opportunity to succeed, and whenever they were, they didn't help themselves out either. So it's, again, a double-edged sword. The lineup wasn't able to give this team a lead or the starting rotation wasn't able to give this bullpen a lead and when the bullpen most likely had a lead or an opportunity to save a game they probably blew it themselves so this was one of the biggest issues i had with this d-backs team in the 2021 season it was hard to get all three phases of the game to play together either the lineup will put up a lot of runs and then the pitching the starting pitching would blow it early or maybe the bullpen blowed it late or you would get good pitch, good pitching from both your starters and your bullpen. Then the lineup can't come through or you get a good starter, go six innings. You get five runs out your lineup and then the bullpen wants to give up six runs in the last two innings. Like this team can never all get on the same page as once at once. And that was one of my biggest problems with the D-backs in 2021. One of the biggest reasons why they weren't good in 2021 and looking at this bullpen this is an area that Mike Hazen has to revamp and he hasn't been good at finding these offseason value 
free agent pickups like some other teams. Like Joaquin Soria, he's gone. Uh, Chris Davinsky, he pitched like the first month of the season and then went on the restricted list and we never saw him again. Tyler Clippard actually ended up being good, but there's like three bullpen guys right now that you trust from the D-backs. Tyler Clippard, who was signed for nothing in the offseason. Nowhere Ramirez, who was picked up off waivers during the season. I really don't even remember where Joe Mantipoli came from, but those were the only three bullpen guys, I believe, with an ERA below four. And it wasn't even like they were considered to be big contributors entering the season outside of a Tyler Clippard who didn't even make his debut till like halfway through the season. So basically, the three best bullpen pitchers for the D-backs weren't able to make an impact till about the halfway point of the season for the D-backs. So for the first two, three months of the season, the D-backs were getting absolutely putrid garbage performances from the bullpen, at least entering 2022. There's like two, three guys we can look at as a potential arm to come back next season but this bullpen needs to be overhauled the d-backs need a closer they need a setup man they need a setup man for the setup man the d-backs need a little bit of everything and i'm hoping mike hazen is able to figure that out and find some answers during the offseason but ultimately i don't have a ton of confidence he can i'm not sure if mike hazen is limited by his owner group why he can't spend more money uh obviously the d-backs don't want to spend money but even if Mike Hazen is not allowed to spend a lot of money. He has to spend his money better, more smartly, because I haven't really liked a lot of Mike Hazen moves. I mean, when he can spend money, spends it all on Madison Bumgarner while allowing, uh, while trading guys like Robbie Ray. And of course, I want Robbie Ray probably traded too, but there's just something missing as to why players get traded or leave and get better, and then players come in and get worse. It seems like a lot of these Mike Hazen moves really don't work out. He's good at building the farm system and uh, acquiring these guys who are high on MLB pipeline, but have they worked out? Have a lot of them panned out? I'm not too sure. I still got a lot of questions when it comes to Mike Hazen as to how good is he really as a GM? He knows how to make trades. I know he can do that. He knows how to move uh, star players. He he knows how to sign, you know, semi big names in free agency if the opportunity arises. But when you look at his overall track record of moves, have they really worked out? What's his success rate? I feel like it's not too high. So because of that, I'm a little dubious of Mike Hazen entering the offseason if he can fix his bullpen. But the bullpen and the starting rotation needs an overhaul entering the 2022 season. Now, we'll get those predictions from Ben Caspic of Locked On Giants, but we're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus from basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the podcast with Ben Caspic of Locked On Giants. But I want to ask you one final question where before we go, and this could be a question that makes you look kind of silly, Ben, uh, by the time this podcast comes out. But 
There are four teams left in the championship series. We got the Braves, Dodgers, Red Sox, Astros. We're recording this at 645. Don't tell me. I haven't even looked at the the score yet of the Red Sox-Astros game. We're recording this at 645 p.m. on Monday. But, Ben, I want to get your prediction for the ALCS and who you think is going to the World Series. By the time this podcast comes out, the ALCS might already be over, but... Who do you think is coming out the championship series in both leagues? And who do you think will be making it to the world series? It's tough. Baseball is so tough to predict. I want to, I want to make a bold prediction, but Uh-oh. you know, it's, it's hard to not go with the Braves given that they have a two nothing lead already in the series. I think it's closer than it might seem because that Dodgers team can, you know, they're more than capable of winning four straight. And for all we know, they could, you know, never lose again. But, you know, I think the Braves have something. I was kind of feeling a, a kind of magical 2010 Giants type of vibe uh, watching them beat the Dodgers the last couple nights. And they seem to, you know, play together. It's truly amazing that they're doing this without Ronald Acuna Jr., uh, by the way. But, you know, they've got all the pieces that they're more than capable of doing it. And plus, I would just like to see L.A. lose. <laughs> so I'll go with the Braves in the NL. And then, you know, the Astros not having... Lance McCullers Jr. definitely hurts that starting rotation. And I think the Astros are possibly the more talented team. But I, I again, just have uh, a vibe coming from the Red Sox that it's hard. I just kind of believe that they're going to get there. So I I guess I'm going Braves Red Sox, which honestly, I mean, kudos to those teams if they do make it. But I would be kind of bored if that was the World (laughs) Series matchup, frankly. Yeah, it wouldn't be the most interesting one because we didn't really expect the Braves to – we didn't expect other team, either either team. team to be. Yeah, because yeah. the Braves were in the worst division in baseball, and they seemed like they were just happy to be there. They just kind of lucked into being there because someone from the NL East had to make the postseason. And then the Red Sox, they were like, we have an elite offense, but if Chris Sale or Nate Evaldi, like tear something in their elbow, then our pitching staff is basically done. Our bullpen is already garbage, but somehow they've been able to piece it together. So it might not be the most enticing matchup. I think Dodgers-Astros is probably the series that would draw the most ratings. Dodgers versus Red Sox would probably be second, but I think if the Braves are there, them versus any opponent would probably draw the least amount of ratings. But either way, I think these four teams have been playing pretty well during the postseason. I would say the Astros... I think have a better team than the Red Sox, but without McCullers, I think it's really evened out because that lineup of the Red Sox is just so nasty. And then the Braves, they're just like, if we could get Max Freed and Ian Anderson to pitch twice in a seven-game series, then we're going to like our chances of winning that. So they they got at least the horses to match up against the Dodgers uh, when it comes to their rotation, and their lineup has been doing just enough. They've been getting some clutch home runs. So I'm excited to see how both of these series plays out. I already gave my prediction a couple of weeks ago, so we'll see if those predictions play out. But Ben Kaspik of Lockdown Giants, where can the D-backs listeners find you on social media? At Ben Kaspik, not that complicated. And then mm-hmm. uh, the show account, Locked on Giants, and then, of course, the show itself, Locked on Giants, like your show, every single weekday. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're coming at you every day, as always, on the Locked On podcast feed, the Locked On Podcast Network. Ben Caspic of Locked On Giants, thank you for sitting in the therapy chair today, sir. You're welcome. Thanks for talking it out with me. It was helpful. It got a process and, and yeah, need a little therapy. Hey, hopefully next year uh, the tables would be reversed and you're on yes. the outside looking in and I'm here crying over my playoff <laughs> loss to the Dodgers.
That's it for this edition of the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned in today. Thank you for making Locked on Diamondbacks your first listen every day. Uh, This podcast is free and available on all platforms, so please continue listening, subscribing, reviewing, and sharing with your friends. Come back tomorrow for more Diamondbacks news coverage and insight. I want to talk about what went right and wrong with the D-backs lineup and position players. And, of course, as always, please... Stay safe and stay healthy out there. Deuces!